is Upbeat with beatboxer, musician, speaker, and show host, Parker K. Hey, welcome to Upbeat, and thank you very much for being here and for listening in today. I appreciate you. Today's episode is actually inspired by something I recently did just this last week. Went to a speaking engagement, had a couple of breakout sessions, and at this event, the, the overall theme was authentic leadership. And so that was something I spoke on and I had a lot of really great conversations with absolutely amazing people that were attending this event. And so I wanted to kind of highlight that theme, highlight that topic of authentic leadership. And fortunately, uh, I have an episode that I previously recorded, an interview that I did with John Laredo, literally called Becoming an Authentic Leader. This is not a full replay of that entire episode. Uh, I did edit it down, but uh, I wanted to highlight some of the greatest parts from that episode about being an authentic leader. And so that's what this episode is about. If you wanted to check out that full one, it is episode number 93 of Upbeat with John Laredo. And of course, props to John for uh, being on Upbeat and sharing this incredible insight with all of us. I hope you enjoy this episode. Let's get into it. People are attracted to people who make things happen, who can overcome obstacles, uh, because 99% of people can't. You know, most people are not doers. So when you have somebody that is a doer, it's an attractive trait. It's somebody who, okay, oh, hey, I want to. But this person is just, they make stuff happen. They, you know, they say something and then they do it. Whereas most people say something and they never do it. Uh, I wonder how many other ideas, how many other people had that idea to do this, you know, America's Got Talent type of thing or, or uh, uh, what was the first, the first name of it was. Um, the first um, one he did. American, American Idol, Idol, American Idol. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, you know, how many other people had an idea like that? They may not have just implemented it. But the other thing that makes Simon Cowell, I think a, an influential person He's got the competency and the skill of being able to identify who's got talent and who's got certain um, longevity and, and a long runway ahead of them. And he's also incredibly honest, right? He's brutally honest at times. But that shows you, you know, people are looking for authenticity. They don't want, sometimes they need what they what they want is not what they really need. What they need sometimes is that that tough love because they know that critical feedback also comes with, uh, you know, a, a motive to help them get better. And they also know when they get positive feedback, it's real positive feedback. It's worth more than maybe coming from some of the other judges that may give that feedback almost artificially positively all the time, you know? So I think that's also a way to develop a certain level of influence is just, you've got to be just ultra, ultra honest and candid. I love that the the word authentic or authenticity keeps coming up uh, in this episode. It makes me makes me think like how can someone know? Because I know for me, I've struggled with this too. But like how how can someone know their like which version of themselves is like the true authentic self? And then is it okay to like turn that on and off, or is it okay to have different versions of yourself? Kind of a thing because I liken it to my beatboxing and speaking career, like, and podcasting too. I feel like when I'm super zeroed in on a podcast or when I'm going up on stage to beatbox or speak to, to an audience, I'm like the, I'm like the most hype, like outgoing person in the world. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it feels like, um, yeah. 
But then most of the time, actually, though, I'm very, like you mentioned earlier of different leaders and stuff, I'm very kind of shy and I don't really talk that much. (laughs) And sometimes I have that like resting mean face, you know, I don't look as Mm -hmm. approachable. And so it's like, why is it that one side of me is so like unapproachable and the other side of me is like so outgoing and fun and like pursuing a, a path that no one would really even think to think of me pursuing if they were just to see me? Yeah. Well, it's inter- it's interesting. And you bring up something that's, that's close to my heart because I dealt with that for many years too. Uh, you know, one of those is, is really more authentically you and, and it's okay to have certain parts of you come out more in different settings. I think every human is like that. You're more comfortable in certain settings. You're going to be maybe more uh, easygoing. You're going to, you know, be more, more able to laugh and relax, more fun. Um, others you may not be able to, and that's natural. But I think there's a line where when you try to be somebody different in different settings, which I did when I was early in my career, I remember I just, I learned from a leader who was very, uh, a very commanding leadership style, very, you know, what we call S1, very directive and do this and, and very tough, really tough, low relationship, high task oriented. So I, and he was very effective. So I just assumed that was the style I had to have. And so I did, I would never, very rarely would I smile. I wouldn't I would never crack a joke. I was just very, I was tough. People looked at me as tough. Wow, he's a tough leader, high expectations. It was effective for a while, but I remember I was at a, I had a social gathering, a holiday party or something in my place. And, and so all my people came over to my place and, and my wife at the time was there. And I remember them, I think it was her telling a story or something. And my, one of my advisors, people that worked for me was like, what, that, doesn't sound anything like John. What? He does that? And she's like, yeah, what do you think he does? You know, and, and all of a sudden it became really obvious that there were these two John Loritos that were being described that were very different, one in work and one outside of work. And they're like, yeah, I could almost see the confused look on their faces. Like, what, who are, wait, which one is you? <laughs> you know, are we seeing the real one or is she seeing the, real, seeing the real one? And it was a big light bulb moment at that point. I'm like, okay, this is not good because the person that I was, was the one outside of work. The one inside of work wasn't me. That was who I was thinking I needed to be. But as soon as I started to relax and be myself, it was an amazing thing that happened. What I found is I dropped my guard. I let my real self come out a little bit. I thought I, what I thought was going to happen was my level of influence and the respect that people had for me would drop and they wouldn't do the things that I was, you know, trying to get them to do and go in a certain direction. But it was the total opposite. They became more loyal to me. The trust level was built up. They felt more approachable. I've, they, they looked at me as being more approachable, more relatable, more authentic, and all of a sudden, our results as a team went through the roof. And I'm like, wow, number one, I love this because I can be my true self and I'm getting better results. So there's no more of these two Johns floating around there. And it was a big, big turning point in my career. Awesome. Yeah. So kind of, if I'm understanding correctly, like the more authentic you are, uh, the more influence you'll be able to have or more impact you'll yeah. be able to have in a way. Well, well, and think about somebody like Gary V. Uh, you know, if you've ever watched his, his shows, I mean, he's the most relaxed, like, so like, doesn't care, doesn't give a crap about anything or anybody or what they say. I mean, you know, he's spouting off all kinds of words and stuff like that. But wow, he's authentic, right? You get the sense that whether you, you know, saw him, you know, watching a game on Sunday afternoon or, or uh, actually doing a keynote presentation, 
you're seeing the exact same guy to the point where he doesn't dress any differently. He doesn't, you know, comb his hair any differently. He doesn't speak any differently. I mean, that's as real as real gets. And he has an, a massive following for that reason, because they're like, okay, this guy is literally, you feel like you're just peering into his living room every time he talks. You're just, you're seeing this total real down earth guy. So that's a great example. Yeah. I, I'm a huge fan of Gary Vaynerchuk. I've mentioned his name on, on this podcast many times before. So hopefully yeah. the listeners will know exactly who, who you were talking about too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, he's fantastic. He's a good example of, of authenticity. Uh, mm-hmm. But something else that you, you brought up that, that sparked a new thought in my mind was just the difference maybe of the, the different kinds of leadership styles, but also the different kinds of ways to receive being taught by a leader. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but one of the examples that came up in my head is I used to play sports in like middle school, high school. I was basketball and football, and I also did drama and marching band and all that stuff. But the thing is with me is I did not respond well. Like I loved football and I was big enough to kind of push people around, (laughs) but I did not respond well to the tough guy coaching, you know, the zero relations and just all orders and task driven. Um, I didn't respond well to that. So is, so I guess a, a question to come out of this would be, do you think really good leaders like have one specific leadership style that they stick to and it just, you have to get the right people to teach? Or do you think it's more beneficial to learn how to almost adapt to the person that you're, you're teaching and be able to tap into different kinds of styles? Um, definitely the latter. And it's interesting. I'll share an interesting stat. 54% of leaders only use one uh, style of leadership. You know, uh, and, and there's multiple, there's many, many styles. So, and that would almost be like a baseball pitcher who only has one pitch mm. or a singer. We're talking about, you know, Simon Cowell, a singer who has one note, like it would not go well, right? You've got to have yeah. versatility. And, um, and, and only 1% of leaders are capable of using four or more styles. So what you're talking about there is it's the responsibility of the leader to be able to adapt his or her style to fit the person that they're influencing or, or leading because the, the follower is the one that has really the say they're the one that chooses whether they're going to, uh, they're going to follow or this leader, or, you know, they're ultimately the one who's making the buying decision, so to speak. So, yeah. So I, to your question, definitely leaders need to be really good at being able to identify um, the different style and the readiness level of the person and adapt their style. Cause like you said, you know, Hey, listen, you don't, you don't deal well with that. I didn't deal well with that either. When I got beat over the head all the time, when I was brand new in the business, I would shut down. I would close off. I just didn't want to hear it anymore. And for me, I needed something different. I needed to be able to be told what I was doing right and catch me doing something right. Not just the stuff I'm doing wrong. And uh, my leader at times missed the mark on that. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, what are some things that we can do uh, if we're very new to even just thinking about being a better leader? What are some of the things we could just start doing today to improve what kind of leaders we are, even when it comes to just leading ourselves better? Mm -hmm. I think the first thing is to build a level of awareness. So I would ask yourself the question, who's the best leader I know? 
And that could be a parent, it could be a relative, it could be a sibling, it could be a teacher, it could be a coach, it could be a business leader, it could be anybody. So who's the best leader that I know in terms of who's influenced me and why? Why are they so effective? What is it specifically that they do or say or how do they act in certain situations? And you can almost create a list of it. Well, this is they do this. And when I do this, this is what they say. And they're always there for me, whatever that is. And then think about the opposite side. Who's, who's the worst leader you know? We've all had bad ones, whether it's a teacher, a coach, a business leader, whatever. And why? You know, so that coach that you had that was hard on you, whatever, what were the reasons? What happened when they were really beating on you or whatever it was or delivering a certain message? What did you do? How did it make you feel? Because you can learn so much. You can learn almost as much, if not more, maybe by a bad leader than you can as a good, from a good leader. So some people feel like, hey, I really haven't gotten the advantage of having great leaders. Well, if you've had bad leaders, you've actually had an, an advantage because you know what it's like. When I had bad leaders, I was like, okay, I know this is not what I'm going to do. And here's why. I know when this leader told me that their bonus was on the line and I needed to perform better so they get a bigger bonus. Um, I knew that that just made me almost do the opposite. I'm like, I don't, really don't care about your bonus. I mean, I'm, tr- I'm trying to make my ends meet and keep a roof over my head. And you're telling me about your bonus so you can buy your next car. You know, I know that, you know, calling me out in public because I didn't do something right in front of all my peers backfired too because I got angry and resentful and spiteful. And, you know, so you kind of learn that way what the things are that are really going to make you uh, turn you into the ideal leader, the list of things you want to do and the list of things you don't want to do. So long answer to your short question, but I would start with that. And then I'm a big believer that reading is always great. You can read a ton of great leadership books, but I, I will tell you, I've read so many great books and I get done with the book and I'm like, okay, that was great. But now what, what do I do? Like, I don't even know. How do I, how do I do something with this? So there's only so much reading you can do. I tell people, you know, <laughs> There's only so much reading you can do about leading. Get out there and lead and then become the leader that other people want to read about. Um, you know, get out there and, and influence somebody. I don't care. Break, be, run for class president. Run for, you know, take on a new mentorship role, formal or informal. Try to influence somebody positively in some way. And as we talked about, first and foremost, start with yourself. Lead yourself. Practice some of the things you read about and learn about. And you'll see how good they work when you start to get them down right. Definitely. It's about showing up and just starting to, to do things. You know, I think back to when I first started this podcast, I was terrified to, to do it, but I did it. And now it's like one of the best things that I've ever done. So there you have it, an episode highlighting some of the greatest moments with John Lurito about authentic leadership. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did enjoy it or got value from it, then please share it with a friend or leave an upbeat review that is always so greatly appreciated. You're the best. I'll see you next week. This is Upbeat with beatboxer, musician, speaker, and show host, Parker Kerr. Subscribe at parkerk.co.